This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, and I am joined by the man surviving the elements in Hell's <laughs> Kitchen. It's Evan Davis. Evan, good evening. How are you, sir? I'm I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Chase. Yes, it's a beautiful, crisp Manhattan night that I'm walking through. Beautiful, crisp Manhattan night. I like it. So Hell's Kitchen is yep. not accurately named for what it actually is like, generally speaking. And hasn't been for a couple of decades. Um, I don't know if anyone watches Marvel's Daredevil, but... The yes, idea indeed. that somehow, some, some the idea that somehow in 2016, 2017, the neighborhood of Hell's Kitchen is a is a is a hard scrabble uh, place is uh, is woefully inaccurate. So no, uh, Vincent DeFourier just like me- meandering about and yeah. um, expensive limos. Or Listen, I, like I I I know I know you have pronunciation issues, but <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio, Vincent D'Onofrio. Is, uh, is, uh, is the okay, yeah. two parts I'm annoyed by that is, one, <laughs> I got it wrong, and I, I knew you were, where you were going with that, but two, we didn't have to talk about like what we were talking about before we started recording, which was that I am horrible at pronouncing Otani's first name, and it's just okay. d- difficult names in general. And, we're going to uh, get through this, Chase, don't worry. <laughs> did, uh, hey, man, I, I'm, I was dead serious about just switching roles tonight, where you can be host and... <laughs> just try and yep. figure this out because you know it's mm-hmm. Monday, crazy stuff's happening and you know someone else might sign while we're recording tonight winter meetings are starting never know. to get a little ridiculous yeah hopefully i mean no there was no uh there's no action today just a lot of chatter um but that's all going to change in the next 24 or 48 hours do you have any big predictions jd martinez yeah, signing for 10 years and 375 million with the san francisco giants J.D. Martinez kind of feels like the Granky deal from okay. a couple of years ago where, like, you know, the Red Sox appear to be the favorites. They're the ones who are really going, going hard for him. Um, but, you know, a te- some surprise team could just emerge out of nowhere and offer a ton more money or, you know, try and sell the fact that their market has tax incentives, which is a big reason why Granky signed with, the Diamondbacks in the first place is because, you know, his money can go a lot further in Arizona than it can in Los Angeles. So you never know. Um, the, he also loves outfield pools. That's an underrated practice. He, he loves those. It, before every home yeah. game, he takes a dip. And really, he very much enjoys those. Yeah, yeah, big time. So, I mean, I don't know. He I loves think bad any, uniforms. Like, Martinez makes sense for the Red Sox. Like, throw him in at DH and get Hanley Ramirez um, back to the bench. And you kind of solve a lot of your power problems. 
yeah. I don't think Dave. Well, I don't think Dave Dombrowski is approaching it, Grell. Well, don't you like? Do you wonder though if what we saw from Martinez, especially in the second half of last year, is real power numbers for him going forward, or was that kind of just a mirage of what he's actually going to be long term, especially for the duration of that well, the majority of the duration of that contract? Because it seems like a lot I, of people are split on who the real JD Martinez is. What's the? I mean, what's there to be split about? I mean, he's been one of the five best hitters in baseball for the last four years. Yeah, he's probably not quite on the level of uh, his time in an Arizona uniform, but does yeah. that really matter? I mean, he's been amazing. He's been amazing for literally four straight seasons. I don't know if people really can fully process that. He was I mean, he's a little amazing. Like, his power was insane for Arizona. Like, he was on pace for, like, yeah. 75 home runs. <laughs> he was on, like, a 75 yeah. home run pace with the Diamondbacks. Yeah, did, yeah he, had, he, he, he had, like, what, 28 home runs in a Diamondbacks uniform, and he only played for the team for, like, 10 weeks or something. Yeah, yeah it was he's great. He's great. And um, I don't think he's worth 200 million, which is what, you know, Scott Boris was initially saying they were going to try and chase, but I'd pay five years. I'd pay five years on 150 mil for that dude. Um, easily. Um, he's, and, and again, I th- he's a great fit for the Red Sox. I think that it solves a lot of their power problems. It keeps Hanley Ramirez on the bench. I think Dave Jombrowski is kind of approaching that deal improperly because it seems like what he wants to do is trade Jackie Bradley Jr. and make room for Martinez in the outfield, which that you're going from a very high net positive in center field to moving Mookie Betts to center or Andrew Benintendi to center and then sticking Martinez in right, who is an iron glove. He's a terrible defender. Um, his, his only, his only value is yeah. at the plate. So, and, and, Mart- and Jackie Bradley's a good hitter too, especially for a center fielder. So you, you don't you don't get better if you trade Jackie Bradley to make room for JD Martinez, and that seems to be Dombrowski's plan. That's uh, that's that's a foolish that's a foolish approach. The Red Sox are in an interesting position now, and I I wonder with Dombrowski and just the way he operates, he's definitely in win now mode. But the Red Sox, I mean, they just watched the Yankees get John Carlos Stanton just because they had the pocketbook to stomach basically paying all of his contract except for like 30 million. I think they're paying two sixty five yeah. of the two ninety five, And that's yep. one of the major reasons that they ended up getting him is just because most other teams weren't going to stomach that like the giants and the Cardinals. I mean, even though he said no, which was kind of frustrating for me, I, I will say like it's in some ways kind of cool. Let's start there. Let's start with the Stanton stuff. This, this is a good yeah. lead in because I think it it kind of bummed me. I don't know if it's just that I really just all off season was just thinking, you know, the Cardinals just makes too much sense for him. Like I just that team has been missing that superstar in the middle of their lineup who is just a strong power hitter. And then honestly, I would put them that would just make the NL Central so much more interesting. It would make the NL that much more interesting. I don't know how much more Stanton really does for a Yankees team that overachieved last year, they had Clint Frazier and guys like that just waiting in the wings. They're going to be better this year than they were a year ago. They were already a contender playoff team and they were ahead of schedule last year. It's just like, they're a really good team already. And I think I would have been more interested in seeing him go somewhere where it would have moved the needle a little bit more. Is that fair that I just am kind of deflated that he's ending up on a team where he's going to hit obviously a bunch of home runs in Yankee stadium and him and judge and friends and Sanchez and guys like that are going to be really fun in the middle of the lineup. And it's going to be 
just ridiculous. I can already, I'm already nauseated at the headlines for the Bronx Bombers with all of their home runs and just everything that's <laughs> going to come from that. But it, I don't know. I, I would have rather, I don't think I wanted to see them on the Giants just because I think the Giants need to go through a full rebuild in Stanton and guys like that just don't make sense to me. If I were them, especially with the makeup of the NL West right now, where the Rockies yeah. are going to be around for a while, the Diamondbacks are, as long as they have Paul Goldschmidt and friends, they're going to be okay. And then the Dodgers, obviously, are running that division for the next couple of years. Like, why would you not just take the time to go through a rebuild? Because it, it, it just seems like the time is right for them to reset. And I just don't, I didn't like that fit. But the Cardinals just, I kept coming back to that of like, Man, he would be so good there, but that dude had no interest in moving to the Midwest. Just not. <laughs> I, I mean, I can't blame you. I mean, I've lived in the Midwest. Have you ever lived in the Midwest? I wouldn't want to live in the I Midwest have. again. You know, like I, I'm. I think. I mean, if you're if you're bummed out that he didn't end up in St. Louis, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're a team centric guy, I can kind of understand that. If you're interested in parity or competitive balance, I guess I can understand That's that too. Is, but. But uh, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I, I'm generally a players guy, and the most important thing to me is for players to have um, the leverage to either play where they want or play for the kind of money that they are worth. And he wasn't going to be able to do that um, really anywhere else except for New York or L.A. Um, and you know, the Cardinals are always going to be fine. They're going to find some 28 year old in triple a that they're going to turn into a three win player. Like, I don't think that they have to worry about that too much. Um, and you know, Stanton should have, like he negotiated for the freedom to play where he wishes. So I'm fully supportive of him moving to the Yankees. And honestly, I don't, you know, there's this ongoing conversation in, you know, the NBA about super teams and does that, ruin the league, you know, do the, are the Warriors too dominant or the Cavaliers or whoever else is, are they too dominant? Um, and, and does that make the rest of the, the league suffer? I don't know. I find the Warriors really, really fun to watch. And I think the Yankees are going to be incredibly fun to watch next year. This is a, uh, it's a super team. It's not quite as uh, an unbearably unpleasant super team, the way that a lot of Yankees squads They're were in likable. the late nineties, early odds. Yeah, and I think they still are because Stanton is such a good guy. Um, yeah, Stanton is a he's he's a really solid guy with his head on his shoulders. He doesn't have like a massive ego. At least that's not how he projects himself in public. And um, like homers are fun, you know. Like if you're gonna watch <laughs> a team next year for for maximum entertainment value, you can you can do little wrong with a lineup that includes Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Gary Sanchez, and Greg Bird in it. Um, that's a, uh, that's pretty stacked. So I, I, I applaud him for, for holding out. I, I think he took advantage of a, a situation in, in the Marlins front office where, you know, the, the, I mean, the incompetence of Derek Jeter and the kind of avaricious, uh, um, uh, uh, mindset of Bruce Sherman, who also has to clean up Jeffrey Loria's mess. You know, they laid their cards on the table pretty early that all they cared about was dumping salary. They don't really care about trading big assets to get prospects back and rebuild the farm system and do well, kind of what fair? they use. Because they did want to trade him to the Giants or the Cardinals. 
I think they would have yeah. taken that trade if they didn't have the no trade clause. It, this was just the alternative of like, okay, if we can't get prospects, then we're only trading him to a team that's willing to take on all this money. But they also, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't particularly impressed with the packages that were rumored from the Giants or the Cardinals either. Um, those yeah, ne- weren't necessarily those weren't necessarily deals that were going to help set them up to run the NL East in three or four years. Um, you know, and, and I think teams all knew that they didn't have to offer their best prospects um, to Miami because they knew that you know Derek Jeter was desperate to get just any kind of deal that he could, um, which is also why he said yes to San Francisco and St. Louis in the first place. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm fully supportive of, of how Stanton handled this. I think that the Marlins could not have handled it much worse. I think that there are, I mean, there are a number of factors that go into that. Obviously, you know, Loria left this mountain of debt that Bruce Sherman and, and Derek Jeter have to figure out how to get out from under, but also, yeah. You know, Bruce Sherman is worth more than a billion dollars. He can handle a large payroll, despite what he might say otherwise. Yeah, Miami um, I think should be a big payroll city. I mean, it's not as atrocious absolutely. and as offensive as Oakland still operating as a small market team. Like, yeah. once they start realizing that they're in the Silicon Valley and actually start spending like a Silicon Valley team, that would be great. But, yeah, yeah I don't... The Bay Area stuff bothers me more than the Miami thing, but... Miami should not be operating under these circumstances, but we don't know. Maybe Jeter and friends do change course after shedding the salary and then do invest and not go the lawyer route and actually the only superstars for a couple of years. We don't know yet. The only way that I will be convinced of that is if they actually are smart and get a big prospect haul for either Marcelo Zuna or Christian Yelich. I was going to mention that. Yeah, because yeah. that's a huge thing is if they end up just shedding salary um, and getting Stanton off the books and then getting Yelich, who both Yelich and Ozuna, who played about the same amount of games in their career, they're about the same age. They just, there's a lot of similarities there. And, you know, it's great is both their contracts are awesome. Both of them are a yeah. huge bargain for the next couple of years. And they're both really good players. Yep. And honestly, like maybe the Cardinals go after one of those two. Like that would be a nice maybe uh, fallback option. I don't know who, but they're, I think they can get a lot more for them, especially just with the years. And yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. If they, if Jeter messes up trading Yelich and Ozuna too, then it's real dire straits already early on in Miami. But I want to yeah. see what happens there. I, I mean, I, I hope that if there's, if there's a potential silver lining in all this, that it's that, you know, the Dodgers kind of made a, they made a trade proposal that the, the Marlins were quote unquote, not intrigued by. So it might be that, you know, Michael Hill was, who's, the guy who should actually be running baseball operations with the Marlins. Maybe he kind of wielded some influence with Jeter um, and said, this isn't the best deal for us. Let's wait for a better deal. Um, if that's the case, then maybe they can be a little bit smarter and, and hold out for some, for some good prospect value because you're absolutely right. Like Ozuna or, or Yelich will, will are extraordinarily valuable for, for their talent and for, the years of team control that they have and for, and for what they cost. So you, if you just give those guys away to like lose $15 million um, and you don't get anything back, then honestly, I'm ready to just contract the team, just shut them down. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, like, like move them, move them to Montreal or something, you know, just to at least 
to an ownership to a city and an ownership group that appreciates what's the wrong city it, in uh florida that you're targeting the montreal move that uh, <laughs> yeah that right yeah that, that tampa bay just still sorry tampa bay people but that's still my bet is who ends up in montreal yeah right, well but. your move Stu sternberg <laughs> yeah like how many more years are we going to read those uh tampa bay times reports of the the next location being voted on by city council not passing like how many more headlines am i have to see of that just in yeah in i don't know it's 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 uh it's 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 so dark um both i mean both miami and tampa bay i mean it's such a it's such a stadium issue a i mean yeah Loria, Loria fleeced the city to have it paid by the taxpayers, but then he also put it in a place that's not accessible really by car or by public transportation. And then we all know the problems with the TROPs. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's I just hate the dark trop. day. Yeah. And, and I'm well, sorry, you should. I just hate like, it because I wish the Rays would, it's a great, everybody loves Tampa. Like I've, I've never really met anybody who's just like has this negative opinion about going to Tampa Bay or Central Florida, really. Like there's just so many great options. I, I forgot which image that I remember seeing of what they hope to have that waterfront stadium. Yeah, just the rendering of that was beautiful. Looked great. That's what I wanted. And if you did, if you if you yeah. did that, all of a sudden you'd have a you'd have a stadium and an attendance. Um, even if you kept payroll down, you'd you'd be comparable to the Padres. And like the Padres aren't a great team, but like you know that stadium is beautiful. It's in a great part of town, and people come out to the ballpark for it. Like you can. You can keep a you can keep a franchise afloat when you have a nice little thirty thirty five thousand seater on on a waterfront in a downtown you know area. So yeah, you know, everything about the Rays is kind of depressing. <laughs> and they might trade Evan Longoria. So yeah, you know, at least they'll always have Chris Archer. I guess he seems <laughs> like he's never getting moved. So there you go. So the Stanton stuff, though, if yeah. With the Yankee, he's gonna probably he's probably gonna be the DH, right? Unless they trade Gardner. Which I hope know. not. He's been, in, yeah. I hope he's a lifer. Love Brett Gardner. Loved him in the playoffs this year. That guy almost got moved several times by the Yankees. He's great. Like Brett Gardner a lot, but it does he's, seem he's, like if they can't get somebody to take Ellsbury, which seems like one of the next moves Cashman's gonna look at is. They're gonna have to move somebody in that outfield, right? Like somebody, either one of the yeah. young guys or Ellsbury. Or, they got, I, I just I don't know what happens there. They got uh they got like five or six outfielders at this point. If you throw yes. Aaron Hicks and Clint Frazier into the mix, so um, for I mean the early reports were that you know uh, Gardner and Stanton and Judge would all probably like be rotating into a corner outfield. Well, maybe Judge less so, but there's gonna be some kind of like corner outfielder corner outfield DH rotation that's going to be going on with all of those guys. If, if Gardner doesn't get moved, um, which could work in theory, but interestingly, you know, Gardner's great. Uh, he's, he's still a plus defender, even at the advanced age he is and um, still a half decent bat. But, you know, what people forget is that Stanton isn't just a power bat. Like he, he rarely strikes out anymore and he's a sneaky good defender. Like he's, rated as a plus right fielder um, last year and pretty much every season that he's played um, when he hasn't been, when he hasn't been hurt, like he adds a lot of value in the field um, that you lose if you just want to keep him at, at a designated hitter spot. So I certainly hope that he doesn't automatically just slot in at DH. I, I think that Cashman and Brian Cashman and, and Aaron Boone will be, will be savvy enough to, make sure that he doesn't get pigeonholed there. But I think you're right. I mean, the only way to really 
find any kind of balance is to is to move some people. I think Frazier is an interesting trade chip to dangle in front of teams because he's obviously very good and he's a little low man on the totem pole at this point. Just he's young and he got hurt um, last season. So, you know, that, like, and, and, and they're in the market. Arms. Yeah. You know, like he's, he's, he's great. And, and there's a glut of outfielders and they need pitching the Yankees. So they could definitely use Frazier for that. Ellsbury. Yeah. You'd rather, you'd rather move Ellsbury just cause he's getting older and he's not that good anymore. But I mean, his contract is so big that it's hard to see like what team would want to pick him up for that kind of money. Um, and yes, the Yankees are taking on Stanton's contract, which means maybe they don't get under the luxury tax threshold the way that they had hoped. So they could chase multiple pieces of next year's crazy free aging class. But yeah, I still Harper's think they'd like now for them. Right. Isn't that, that's just done. Yeah. Like that is, so, uh, so, so there's, so there's a couple of things like, so, you know, they still, even if they don't get under the luxury tax this year, they'd still like to be around 200, 215 million. They don't want to go too much over that because they do want some flexibility for next year. Yeah. The Harper should be out for them. And I think that I don't know the story behind this yet, but I would imagine that Cashman was probably preparing to throw $500 million at, at Harper next mm-hmm. winter. And then, and then the Stanton situation just kind of fell into his lap. It really did fall into their laps. So I'm, I'm sure he'd be comfortable pivoting away from Harper, knowing that Manny Machado is still out there and they're going to need a third baseman. Um, and they could also still potentially go get Clayton Kershaw if they wanted to, although the, yeah. the Dodgers will push hard for him too. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that they're out on Harper. Um, they just need to, they just need to clean up, uh, you know, this outfield log jam. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. The Yankees are maybe the most fascinating story in baseball right now, which I'm sure Red Sox fans and, and neutrals who hate the evil empire are, are are disgusted by that concept. But like Brian Cashman over the last two years, I think has proved that he might be the best general manager in the whole game, uh, and it's not just because he has one of the biggest payrolls to work with. This guy is a killer, and I think he's won pretty much every trade or free agent signing he's made. Um, since he finally was able to convince the Steinbrenner family that it was time to, to pivot away from a win now mentality. I mean, the Yankees went through this, the fastest rebuild in baseball history. It's, it's, it's really kind of a marvel to watch and, and see what they are now and what they could be in the coming years. And it was all from trading two relief pitchers. That's what I love. <laughs> is that they traded two yeah. relief pitchers and everything changed. It's just, yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, but maybe that's what they're doing. Just in case uh, this that slump last year, that season long slump they had, they had uh, they sound they they signed Brandon Morrow and Tyler Chatwood, so that if things get dire or something, the deadline next year they can just flip both of those two for um, just the kind of package that Cashman got for uh, Cespedes and Miller uh, a year two years. You mean before, you mean so. uh, Chapman? You meant Aroldis Chapman? Yeah, Chapman. Oh, why did I say yeah. Cespedes? Oh, I know why I, I said know. Cespedes because I was thinking about the Mets. So the reason I like with the five and six outfielders, like as you were talking about that, we were talking, that whole situation and Ellsbury and everything else is. Yeah, I just can't get over the fact that I could just see the Mets taking one of these contracts for like trying to get Frazier or giving one of the giving one of their starting pitchers, not Harvey because I don't I don't 
if you trade Harvey, like I saw this stuff with the Orioles, which is the saddest thing in the world. If oh, and, Harvey, and it's such a Baltimore thing to do, like like trading yes. for Matt Harvey would be the most Orioles thing ever. Oh man, Nick Stellini will be so upset if that happens. <laughs> he is. We have argued about the Orioles for years. He hates them so much, and yeah, I, for good I was reason. So happy. Yeah, well, I was so happy because they all they they climbed back into the postseason race last year. Uh, they can't. They rose from the dead like a great Orioles team does late in the season. Yeah, and I yeah. was so in on them sneaking into one of those wild card <clears throat> spots to just the chagrin of everyone. But the Mets thing, like, it's just so sad. Every time you just see a new thing with the Yankees, you just see who they're talking to, or you see yeah. the most depressing t- name surrounding them right now. And I just, I, it's. The the contrast is just so sad. Yeah, I mean, as it always is. I mean, the the Mets are owned by um, a rapacious and incompetent uh, group, and their general manager doesn't really seem to have a lot of power or influence to stop that. And that's the other thing about Cashman is that he somehow managed to make the Steinbrenner family shut up. And I don't. And it's not just the fact that, like, oh, it's Hal. Hal's weaker than his dad and blah, 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 blah. But, like, you know, Cashman was the GM of that team under Steinbrenner for – under George Steinbrenner for a decade um, as as a young man. So the man clearly is very, very smart and is very, very savvy. Um, yeah, the Mets, I don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah, you, you – Harvey <sighs> – I don't know what you I don't know what you get back for for Matt Harvey at this point, given the fact that he hasn't been healthy or good for about two years. And I guess they also they also want to sign Jay Bruce, which I don't know what problem that solves for them <laughs> um, uh, in in their outfield. Like it's just a, it's just a very confusing time um, for to be a Mets fan. Because there's obviously still a great deal of talent on that squad, but there really doesn't seem to be a path forward to getting back to the playoffs. Uh, Thankfully, Mike Moustakis you know, is sitting right there on the free agent market to be that replacement for David Wright that they've been looking for for the last they would, years. If they signed, if they signed Mike Moustakis, I would, I would completely change my tune on them because that meant that they actually were interested in A, winning, and B... Mm. Uh, and, uh, and and not just winning, but also spending money. You know, like. Well, I've got great news. Cause, well, actually, not great <laughs> if you're a Mets fan. Mike Mustakis was built to be a brave third baseman at this point in his career. Like he checks all the boxes <laughs> for the Chris Johnson deal in Atlanta. Yeah, like it's. Yep. It, I, He's I better than Chris it. Johnson, to be fair. Hey, Chris Johnson was an All Star at one point in Atlanta. Never forget that uh yeah once happened once he was <laughs> that he was that. Yeah. Hey, he he was almost the next chipper jones one year never forget that but <laughs> how many how many uh, almost the next chipper joneses do you have in your history there's a few uh, yeah it turns out it's hard to replace hall of fame baseball players yeah and, imagine uh, that didi gregorius what, what, though hey man he is like the best i i mean not to bring everything back to the yankees but didi just kind of turning into a star after Jeter. I don't think it's enough praise. That's just uh, so difficult to follow somebody. Like, just him turning into a really awesome player for them and really fun and just really great and really likable. I I don't know. I feel like the odds are stacked against him becoming a good player. Good dude. Um, 
he's and he's and he's good. I don't know if I'd call him a star. I think that he handles himself well at the position, but um, he's borderline. You know, I, you wouldn't say he's a borderline star. I mean, what he's, I think true talent, he's probably like a 115 WRC plus, which is like, again, if you play like a decent shortstop, like you're fine there. I don't know. I mean, he's not, he's not in that kind of Correa, Seager, Lindor shortstop class. Then again, not many guys are, but I think that in the long term, they want Gleyber Torres there Um, with, with Mm -hmm. Starling Castro moving to Miami for, you know, a hot second then you know clearly Torres is going to be at second base. I think that I think Gregorius is fine for night. now. Starling Castro is going to yeah. be the as the right. Drupal Cabrera situation really late in the game and to get him in there for a year and a half. There it is. It's Castro that we just solved who the Mets are signing or trading for. It's Starling Castro. Well, it's funny. I mean, everybody's been joking about that, but it's actually kind of legitimate. Like the the, the chatter um, behind the scenes seems as though the Mets are intrigued to try and grab him because Castro's <laughs> Castro is fine. And, 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 it, and it's a cheap deal. I think he's like, what, two million, two years two, and 20 million left on his yeah. deal. So, so it's not like he's they're They're breaking the bank and um, you know, it'll, it'll definitely fit. <laughs> it'll fit the Mets profile of treading water um, until God knows what happens. Uh, to to well, allow know, them to get Paul back G. to the postseason, he might get let go in uh, in Cleveland. You know, you never and, know. and he'll and, and he'll he come back come to back. the Mets. That's that's your theory. Yeah, get, yeah. <laughs> get the bang, get the gang back together. Why not? I don't I don't count anything out when it comes to the Mets. The fact that they even made the World Series two years ago still doesn't quite feel real to me. I forget about and that I'm, all the time. I, yeah, yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure the Mets back to back World Series. The, the yeah, Royals I'm sure the Mets back to back. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of crazy, um, and yeah. that won't be happening again for them for a really long time. Wow. Hey, Dayton Moore, though, loyalty, hashtag loyalty to that Kansas City market. He knows he's got job security for like the next decade. He got his ring, and he knows that they're about to go through a really painful rebuild. And you know, he still he still blew it. He still blew it in the last couple of trade windows, though, in not shipping Kane, Mustakas, and Hosmer. Um, I know that he was living under this illusion that they were going to be able to be postseason contenders again, but that was never really going to happen. I mean, that Cleveland was a nice story. Owned... Them rising it was from a nice... the ashes for that one last run that, like, you know, you never know. Maybe we can get a wild card berth and get hot at the right time. Yeah, it, it but, but, that, but honestly, it's my opinion that, like, GMs are there to make really difficult choices. And especially yeah. with especially last July – Yes, they they went on a little bit of a run, and maybe they could could sniff the postseason a little bit. But I think the Yankees were way too far ahead, and I think even if it wasn't going to be the Twins, it was probably going to be somebody other than the Royals that was going to nab that second wild card spot. You and you know that you have three really valuable assets who are all in their walk years. Like everybody knew. That's the other crazy thing. Everybody knew that this was coming. They'd known it was coming for three years. Like this was your moment. If you weren't solidly in the wild card spot by July of 2017, you had to just say, you know what? This is probably not going to happen for us. We need to get something for these guys. Otherwise it's going to be a really painful five or six years ahead of us. And now that's exactly what's going to happen. They don't have any more assets to trade. I know he's shopping around Kelvin Herrera, but like Kelvin Herrera isn't going to get you what 
Lorenzo Cain or Mike Moustakis could have gotten you. Um, when you have that many pieces to sell, you have to take that opportunity, um, especially because there were teams that were that could have gone in for those guys. Like there was a market there. Um, you know, we'd never know everything in and maybe Moore didn't get the kinds of offers for prospects that he believed that he deserved. But also when it's a guy in their walk year, rather than a guy who's got like another year and a half of team control left, like it's a different conversation. So you know that you're probably not going to make it to the postseason. You know that you're about to lose these guys, get something for them. You know, you have to do that in order to make sure that your franchise doesn't fall off the table because the Royals were one of the worst franchises in baseball for what, 30 years, 25 years, you know, like that sucks. And you just built up all of this goodwill. And yeah, you're going to be able to ride that a little bit longer because you had this amazing 2014, 2015 experience. But if you want to build this team into something that can last, you have to be ready to like do the Jeff Luna or the Theo Epstein thing and just bite the bullet. Um, And I, I I think it's gonna, I think that the Royals are really going to come to regret not at least moving one or two of those dudes last July. That was incredible. Your evisceration <laughs> of a Royals fan base that did not deserve any of that was. I love, incredible. I love Royal. I don't mind. I think Royals fans are, are totally fine, but like we have to no, face reality with what now. this team you is going to be. You just spent the last two and a half minutes lighting a fire all over those <laughs> Kansas City cornfields. I don't mm. know if there are cornfields in Kansas City. I don't, but, I don't uh, think there are too many fields in the city itself. But that's you never know. Yeah. yeah. So we touched on this, though. With the Royals, happier yeah. times. They are yeah. going to no longer probably have their their dug house, dug out leader, Eric Hosmer. Seems like yes. he's gone, but by all accounts, yes. very likable guy. Good guy to have in your clubhouse. And he had a he had one of his best seasons ever, maybe his best year ever. And to get yeah, it was his best year. Agency, yeah, he hit um, really well. I mean, he's a four. I think yeah, four point WAR. He had twenty five home runs, and a lot of people were like, "Well, is this real?" Because I mean, in twenty fourteen, he had nine home runs and five hundred forty seven plate appearances, and he had about a hundred more. And then he had twenty five this year. He had twenty five last year. It's uh, it's hard to know whether or not his power is for real because you know he started off his career as that's just not who he is. But with so many guys now, it seems they're changing their swing a little bit, and he's starting to just hit a f- few more dingers. Like I think maybe he might be a twenty home run guy now for the, re- the next couple of years in his career. But he's a really interesting fallback option for a lot of these teams that didn't get the Stanton types. What are they gonna do? Do they? Do the Red Sox just invest in Hosmer because he does make a lot of sense for them? Um, but there are other teams like the Padres who are like, you know what? What if we did Yonder Alonso 2.0 for the next six years <laughs> instead of a couple years of Alonso? Because I can't get that out of my head of just looking at Hosmer at first base. Like, I'm pretty sure the Padres are not allowed to have like real power hitters in the middle of their lineup ever unless it's Adrian Gonzalez. And, you know. I support them adding another first baseman who can't hit home runs. I mean, I, I mean, you. I just eviscerated the Royals. It sounds like you're not too big a fan of the ball team in San Diego. Um, 
I, I, I don't me, understand. Man. It always bothered me that they just seemed like James Loney was their first baseman for 37 years. Or it's like they yeah. were looking for first basemen to have this. I, I just There's something that always just weirds me out about teams that don't have first basemen who can hit for power. I don't know right. if it's stupid I mean, that I have this thought, but it always bothers me. No, it's not a bad thought at all. I mean, first basemen are supposed to hit for power, and I do not understand why the Padres are in on Hosmer. Um, I, I don't think his power is real, and that's part of, I actually okay. just wrote a column. I just wrote a column about this for FanRag Sports, and I think the big reason that I am suspicious about his breakout last year is that because he's never really done anything like that before. Um, the ball is juiced; everybody knows that now. So, a lot of guys like Hosmer are adding power as a result of the ball being able to fly six to ten feet further than it normally did. Uh, before so it's the 2015 All Star break, than just an adjustment in his swing. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's made an adjustment to his swing. He's still a uh, a virulent ground ball hitter. Um, yeah. That hasn't changed about his profile. Uh, he got lucky on on balls in play. He had a pretty high bat last season, and he is not getting the ball in the air with any kind any kind of frequency. And that's been consistent throughout his whole career. It's what's made him so frustrating because he hits the ball so hard. You just know that if he added, you know, five or six degrees to his launch angle, his average launch angle, he'd be a monster. But he hasn't done it. Mm -hmm. And he actually even gave some quotes to the press last year about the fact that he thinks that his approach is absolutely the right one. And whenever he's slumping, it's just he needs to stay, quote unquote, within himself and stay consistent with his approach and he'll be fine eventually. But the thing about Eric Hosmer is that he's actually not that good. Um, He's he's he's. (laughs) He's pretty, he's pretty terrible defensively at first base, and that's already toward the bottom, if not at the exact bottom of the defensive spectrum. And he had a... He had a glove winner. It seems like people... Yeah, well, that's, cri- that's criminal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's absolutely criminal. I thought we had gotten kind of past this phase of gold glove voting, but that's clearly not the case because he keeps yeah. winning these awards, and he doesn't deserve it at all. He's not even close. He's not even a top 10 defensive first baseman. So that's one thing. The other thing is he, um, he busted out for like a 121 WRC plus in 2015. I think he ran like a 134 figure this past year. Both of those numbers are driven by pretty high BABIPs. And otherwise he's basically a league average batter, a little bit worse. If you're a first baseman, and that's kind of like your actual true talent level, and you're not very good defensively, then what good are you? Um, and, and I think that because of his age and his reputation, some team maybe won't pay $200 million, but they're going to pay a lot of money to get him, and it's going to be a sunk cost out of almost immediately. I mean, this is also why if he goes to the Padres, if the Padres sign him, that's going to be a disaster because he will likely regress back to his true talent. And the Padres aren't in any kind of position to compete immediately. Um, You know, John Heyman, who works with me at at FanRag, said that the Padres are interested in him because of his clubhouse leadership, that he can be a veteran who can help. He's a veteran who can help a lot of the young guys in the clubhouse. And it's true that the Padres have the youngest ball club uh, uh, of any team in baseball. But what is... Hosmer going to be in five years when the Padres theoretically are ready to contend for a wild card spot or even the NL West title. 
he's going to be in his early 30s, and I don't really see him getting any better than he is right now. In fact, I see him getting worse. So that's going to be a bunch of money that you just spent that's going to back you into a corner because you don't seem to be very willing to spend money to fill out every other part of, the, of your lineup. So therefore, you're stuck with a bunch of young guys who are still kind of de- learning on the job um, with the guy who's supposed to be hitting third in your lineup absolutely tanking. I, it's just, it just, it drives me absolutely insane. Um, that, and, and, but it also feels very typical of like something that AJ Preller would do because I don't think AJ Preller is very good at his job and never has been. Um, if you look at his history, it's, it's one bad move after another combined with a reputation that I've heard about, um, where he's not very well liked by the other GMs in the business. So, uh, I guess it, it wouldn't surprise me and it would just utterly disappoint me if, if Hosmer ended up there. And as far as the Red Sox are concerned, I think, you know, the Red Sox are butting up against the luxury tax. And even though they run high payrolls, they don't generally go over it. And if you're going to, if you're going to go over the luxury tax, if you're really going to like push all in for a big ticket free agent in this market right now, you should just do it for Martinez and figure out first base in another way. Um, Because I think, I think Hosmer will, will really, will really let a lot of Red Sox fans down. I think at the very least, the Red Sox are ending up with one of Martinez or Hosmer. I think. I think that's right. Yeah. Just, you just can't. You you just can't after what happened with Stan. Like the Yankees kind of screwed him in a way where it's just the fan base. Wow. And, I mean, the Boston Red Sox fan base is very rational, very fair, very understanding. <laughs> with how this all works. Oh, you're adorable. I grew, I grew, I grew up in New England, so that's extra funny to me. You know, um, was there a call yeah, I mean, well, well, in the Boston Herald where they said the, oh, I'm the sure. crux of the article was the Red Sox have to sign Hosmer and Martinez in retaliation? That's ridiculous. It's absolutely that ridiculous. And also in, re- in in retaliation, like they were never in on Stanton. They weren't going to be able to afford him. Oh, that's they not don't true, have- sir. General Manager Dave Dombrowski said the team did their homework on Stanton. Okay, can I like you've been this is now just the ranting Monday the Monday night rant edition of the podcast where we just take turns uh-huh. ranting. Sure, sure. You know what really, really drives me insane when general managers just throw out that they did their homework on something, like whether or not it's yeah, trade like, or something they had. That's literally like, your job. That is literally yeah. your first step is the part of being also, a general manager is yeah, every, doing a all bunch 30. of homework all the time. <laughs> All on all thirty of you did that. Like every single team did their homework on Giancarlo Stanton. Duh. What does that mean? You know? Why are why do reporters still allow? Like okay, great. So what does that even mean? You did your homework. You did your due diligence. You mean you did your job at the bare minimum? Like what? <sighs> they want to pat yeah. them back for doing their homework, and I, I love it. I guess it, they're talking to their owners at that point if they're watching, hoping that if they do tune in, they're like, oh well, it's good that Dave still. Uh, being diligent yeah. and uh, making sure and that's that how, we have the best opportunity of getting everybody. It's, it's ridiculous. And that's how and that's how John Henry apparently keeps tabs on Dave Dombrowski. It's not like they have each other's cell phone numbers. They never see each other in person. It's just like let's just let me see what is written about him in the Herald. Um, yeah, and they're like, yeah, oh, and he's I, just like, oh, he did his due diligence. Well, I'm glad he at least tried. I don't buy it. I don't buy that they were ever really seriously in on him because if they were. Um, yeah, every well, every team has to. That he they weren't on the list. The Red Sox exactly, and then and, and I think I, in. every team every team has to know that 
you know, Stanton's first choice is the Dodgers, and there's probably only going to be two or three teams below that that would spark any kind of interest, and Boston wasn't going to be one of them. He's not going to move to New England to try and win a championship. He's going to move to L.A., or he's going to move to, you know, the biggest media market in the country. There is a Boston listener right now. As after this is up and everything else, they're listening to what we're talking about with this, and they are yelling. But Kyrie Irving came to Boston at the top of their lungs, and they're on yeah. the morning commute. And how's that working out for the Celtics? Anger. I mean, pretty well. It's it's, it's fine, but well. also, also, I mean, it's a bit, we're talking about two completely different um, player movement structures. We're talking about two completely different. Oh, it's um, very very different. Points of idea, contention. Like, it was you know, huge for them to actually get a free agent, like to come, like. The right. Celtics are not uh, known for being able to just recruit guys like that, and they did. And it was, hey, it was impressive. Yeah. They they pulled off the trade. They got Hayward to sign. A lot of that was the whole thing, but just getting Kyrie to agree to come to Boston in that trade, like he had to say, yeah, that's where I want to go. So you know, you never know. I guess it's fine. I, I'm trying to appease the the angry Boston fans that we just I let them be angry. They only that we're trying to appease them and not appease the Padre fans and the. Royals fans that you just lit on. Fire. Oh, I've been like I've been I've been I, called I, ignorant by Padres and Royals fans enough. I don't care anymore. Um, and <laughs> and Red Sox fans, the the only mode that they know is angry. That's their that's, that's their one gear. Yeah. So let it be. And also, like again, like, they're probably going to get JD Martinez. Like guys, breathe. It's fine. It's one power hitting right hander for another. Like you're yeah. gonna be okay. You still have Chris Sale and Craig Kimbrell on the books. David Price is probably gonna, gonna come back pretty healthy. Yeah, like don't worry about it. Maybe you don't win the division, but you're gonna be a wild card. Like just chill. Everybody just chill. Man, it's a good way of uh, transitioning to the Los Angeles Angels, where Billy Epler, that guy, has been chilling in Los Angeles. He's just making subtle moves, signing Justin Upton, you know? People were like, well, I don't really know what the Angels can do because their farm system is the worst in baseball and they have the best player in baseball and this this weird, really weird situation where it's like, I honestly don't know how you would approach this because you can't trade Mike Trout and I would never be the general manager that traded Mike Trout even if it would just just like completely elevate the the farm system overnight. You still just can't do it. I, I just don't think so, circumstance. we can never do it. So, but so before Friday morning or Friday afternoon, um, I was absolutely in the camp of GMs need to make the hard choices, and Mike Trout should be traded because you're like, where do the Angels oh, no. go? Where do the Angels? Yeah. Where do the Angels go though? It's like, a I mean, they're question. just they're stuck. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place with the fact that they don't have a farm system, and they seem to break 500 and. I say that, and also they ended up actually being kind of okay last year um, because Andrelton, Andrelton Simmons became a league average bat and was still the best defensive shortstop in the game, and all of a sudden he was, you know, depending on what metric you were looking at, between a five- and an eight-win player. So all of a sudden you have Trout, you have him, and you have Cole Calhoun backing them up, and like a pretty good bullpen and like interest, an interesting rotation when they're healthy, and like all of a sudden that's a cool team. Um, but – before 2017, I was like, you have to trade Trout. You have to, you have to um, just tear it up and start again because what you've been doing so far isn't working. Um, and then they signed Shohei Otani, and now the conversation is completely different. Now it's like this team just went from 
maybe they should rebuild to maybe there's something there. Maybe there's enough here if they're willing to like spend some payroll um, to, to, to get them over the hump. And now you literally just got a $200 million lottery ticket for $2 million. You, you should, you know, maybe you don't catch the Astros, but like you should be an automatic first wild card team tomorrow. Like you still have holes. Well, now you have Shohei Otani, like open up the checkbook, start spending because if you waste Trout and Otani at the same time, then you, you should sell the team. Like Artie Marino should not be in charge of that team anymore. Um, this is an extraordinary opportunity for the Angels. They should be blessed that this happened um, because I don't think anyone saw that it was going to happen. Even when a couple of days before Otani made his decision and the Angels traded, uh, traded some prospects for some international bonus money from the Twins, it still wasn't clear that they'd be a front runner. Um, because the Mariners did the same thing and the Dodgers still had the stronger team and probably the stronger offer when it was all was said and done. Um, the Cubs were probably one of the more competitive teams in that thing. Like just, there was no reason for anyone to suspect that the angels would be the move. And so, but I like, think there's there a, was because his stuff with the Yankees, um, Epler coming from New York where he's assistant GM. And according to Ken Rosenthal, this was completely Epler. Like, if he's not the GM of the Angels, if he doesn't have that connection, because he was scouting him since he was in high school, apparently. And yeah, but here's the thing: here's the over-the-top presentation. I don't know. That's pretty impressive. But this is the but this is the thing. Like everyone, like AJ Preller has been scouting this guy since he was in high school. You know, uh, Andrew Freeman's been on him since he was in high school. The Rangers have been on him since he was in high school. I don't know if that necessarily was the separating. Yeah factor that's the thing that's the thing i mean we just we don't really know like what epler was able to say or put in that powerpoint that was able to tip the scales but i don't even think that he knew it was a better powerpoint presentation than what mitch kubitak and the <laughs> lakers did for lamarcus all you never i think it was you, a step up. you never know but uh but even epler i don't think knew, thought that this was going to happen there was a story in the in the la times that pedro mora wrote uh where he said um Epler jumped up and down so vigorously that he fell over. Like he was trying to like sit down in his chair and just collapsed on the floor and his AGM had to like help him up. Um, and it's, and it's so great because like, you know, Travis Sawchick, who's a great, he's a great B writer for the athletic Cleveland and, and, and a writer for Fangraphs, And he did a piece in Fangraphs where he said, you know, if you, if you take kind of even the most conservative projections for what Otani is going to be and apply that, um, to the change in record for any team that might be in on him, he is going to affect the angels more than he would any other team. Like he just took a team that's like a fringe second wildcard team into almost a guaranteed playoff contender. And no other team was really going to have that kind of massive swing by signing him. So from a, from the team's perspective, this is absolutely the perfect move. And, and I if, think you know what's in play? for whatever reason, for whatever reason the that Otani picked him, the wild card is in play. That, can you the ratings for Otani and Trout versus the Yankees in a wild card game with Stanton and friends? Like, whew, yeah, I wonder if he, I wonder if ESPN wonder if ESPN is going to shuffle their uh, their Sunday night baseball deck a little bit just to have more Angels games on television um, because uh, yeah, this is going to be this is going to be some kind of season in out in Anaheim, man. I'm I'm. It's good it's, for baseball. They have two now really, really good Los Angeles teams. Like it's always good to have 
L, like your New York teams yeah. and LA teams just being really irrelevant, and they now are both yeah. relevant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel bad. I wish I wish that Otani had waited two more years just so he could get his massive payday, but it doesn't seem like he cares too much about money. He's going to get it at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, if he if he performs well, then then he will. Um, I just think that uh, the players union really really screwed the pooch on this, um, and they look even more like idiots for being upset about um, the the uh, the details of working around the posting system to get him here in the first place. It was like if this was mu- it's so much of a concern for you that you know the player is going to leave, be leaving money on the table, well, you should have negotiated for that in the CBA last year. Like you look like you look like idiots, um, but yeah, I mean Otani, Otani's here. It's happening. Um, it's 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 must uh, it's must see baseball in Anaheim now for for the next couple of years. It's awesome. It uh, it's going to be interesting. Not a winner in this deal. Albert Pujols. Just oh that poor so bastard. Sad. I think this is the year we all the national kind of casual sports fan baseball fan figures out that Albert Pujols is no longer good at baseball. <laughs> you don't think they know that already? No, I do not. I do not. Interesting. The average person does not know that Albert Pujols is actually still really bad. I think they all know he's overpaid and he still has that bad contract. I don't think people realize just how bad he is. They're probably like, oh, he's probably average. He's getting old. Yeah. And uh, it's like, no, 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 no. He's actually really, really bad now and had like a negative point yeah. two war and it's just it's really sad. Well, so, it's yeah. funny because it's it, – up until last year, I'd actually argue for the mainstream position. Like he wasn't quite vintage Albert Pujols, but he was actually fine. Like you know, he was he was an above average bat, and you know could still turn in a couple of wins at, at first base and at DH. It's just you know the the the, the corner has finally been turned, and you're, you're absolutely right. He's the one who loses on this deal because he's going to lose a lot of at bats uh, to Otani when Otani is on his off days. So. Yep. It's it. I mean, it is what it is. You know, players get older, they get slower. Um, this is just this is just the way that it goes. You know. It is. It is the way that it goes. So I have a question for you then. Do you think uh-huh. the Angels with this move, re-signing Upton, is it enough with their rotation? It's getting a little younger. Finally, it doesn't seem like it's just Garrett Richards and a hodgepodge of guys at this point they're moving in the right direction is it fair to say like the expectation not even the expectation but it should be assumed that this is a playoff team this year because i'm still not sure we're there because the al is so tough uh in the middle because it just seems like there's so many teams that are going to flirt with 80 wins this year i don't mean it's like kind of like the nl where it's just it's very clear who's the best who are the best teams in the nl and the al i still think it's very muddy and there are just going to be a lot of teams that are just fighting for 80 to 84 wins. And I think the Angels are probably going to hover around like 84 to 85 wins. So I don't know. I don't think it's a guarantee. It's, I mean, well, nothing's a guarantee. I mean, it's sports. But I think that – I actually think that the AL is starting to stratify a little bit, especially with Stanton moving to the Yankees. I think Yankees, Red Sox, Cleveland, and Houston are kind of kind of run that league now for the next – few years um which is the same structure as it is in the nl i mean that that second wild card spot is always open um and i think that otani could very well be enough i think i i wouldn't surprise me at all if the Yankees were a 90 win team 90 win team 90. And, 
Yeah, I, I, that wouldn't that wouldn't blow me away. Um, if they're 85, okay. that also wouldn't blow me away either. I think that this is enough of a separator. What I really hope, though, is that Epler uses this opportunity, this literal $200 million lottery ticket, to convince Artie Marino to open up the pocketbook and, and go shopping. Um, I think that they still have some questions at first base. Um, because C.J. Crone right now is is your baseman. I think they have some questions at uh, at second and third as well. And I think their rotation could use some help. I mean, their rotation just got a fuck ton better. Sorry to swear, but like, um, you know, with 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 Otani. I mean, Otani is nominally your ace at this point. Um, it, the real hope is that the rotation can stay healthy. Um, if you can get 150, 160 innings out of J.C. Ramirez and, and Garrett Richards and, and and whoever else you throw into what's probably going to be a six-man rotation, then that's looking pretty good. But it also wouldn't hurt to maybe like go chase a I don't know if Jake Arrieta is necessarily the right fit, but like chase some kind of starter out on the market. Um, you know, Moreno's been known to spend before; he can spend again. You just got a guy who could have cost you thirty million a year, and it's costing you two million dollars. Like you just need to take that opportunity to to flesh out your roster. Your your outfield is set. Your outfield looks great. Your shortstop and your catcher are set. Your bullpen list still looks pretty good. Um, like just add a couple more pieces. Why not? Like you have the money to do it now. You have the freedom to do it now. And on, and honestly, you kind of have the obligation to do it now because you have. You have Trout in Abitani. Like it's this is, it's just, just this is your time. Um, you, you have to be realistic and say that maybe you're not going to be as competitive for a lot of the big pieces that are going to be on the market next year. So maybe this is the year that you that you really make an effort um, in 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 the marketplace. Um, you know, when, when the farm is on a pod on a positive situation, I love that. We, ended yeah. With a positive, how many podcasts have ended with a positive angels conversation in the last like five years? And not that I, none that I can count. Yeah. Yeah. But here we are making waves. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very hopeful about the angels. And I hope, I hope Billy Upler does the right thing and, and goes and gets a couple more pieces and really, and really makes this team into a force. Cause I think, uh, the fans, Has the fans checked on him since the signing it. was official? Because with what you described, him falling over and <laughs> I'm sure that Epler is okay. He, he was. He has to do other he, stuff. He was. He was upright and he was cogent uh, during the Otani press conference on Saturday. So I feel, I feel pretty good about his, his current state, and I'm, I'm sure he's. Okay. I'm sure he's thrilled about about what his job gets to be over the next three or four months. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. And, yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there, but it's, it's no cool. doubt. All right, man. Well, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate you taking the time. Is there anything, uh, I know you mentioned your piece, um, on Hosmer on Finrag, so we can find you on Finrag sports, yeah. but any other things you're working on this week that you'd like to, uh, who knows? I mean, it's the winter meeting, so it's going to be busy. We'll, uh, we'll see what action yes. comes down the pike. You can, uh, you can follow me on the old Twitter at, at Evan Davis sports. I know it's a pretty ostentatious uh, handle, but there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I can find all my writing at FanRag. All right, we'll do that, and uh, we will definitely have to do this again soon, man. This was a lot of fun, and the uh, and you you made it through Hell's Kitchen, an hour outside, and uh, I did America's roughest neighborhood. So yeah, that's good. <laughs> all right, thanks a lot, Chase. This all was right, a good, this was a good so time, fun. man.